Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So episode 204. Sounds right. Good morning. Good morning. It's a lovely, chilly morning here in the Northeast. We're not actually in the Northeast anymore, everybody. No, we're not. If you notice by the label that's on the door, um, for those of you that watch us on YouTube, we are traveling. We are visiting children. Well, my son, Henry, and um, North Kekalaki. North Kekalaki, mm -hmm. North Carolina. And here we are. I know COVID's going on and we're being very careful. So we are in our hotel room and it is Tuesday morning. It is September, I don't even know what day it is. What I think is it's September? the 22nd. September 22nd. Mm -hmm. So as you all know, if you're a follower of Busy Living Sober, you know that last week, last Tuesday, we talked about step one. Um, admitted we were powerless over alcohol and their lives have become unmanageable. And I said to JF yesterday in the car, because we're driving, we're on a trek going south. And I said to JF yesterday, I said, well, we're going to do step two tomorrow, right? That's what and you said. I said, let's do step two tomorrow. And you said, we're not on step two yet. We still have to do step one more. And I well, said, I kind of felt that way because we, we made that decision like halfway through the, uh, the podcast through, yeah. last week. All right, so you're gonna be willing to do this another 12 weeks after this. Okay, I'm game, It'll I'm 11. game. 11 more weeks, well, I'm game if you're game. Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful if you say yes, you wanna do that. Well, you know, God willing, I'll be here. <laughs> I'm grateful because we talked about being powerless last week. We talked about a lot of things. We, thought, we talked about the definition of powerlessness. We talked about the definition of humility. We talked about the definition of powerless humility. What was the fourth thing we said? Third thing. Anyway, we talked about what it meant to me, at least, to be powerless. And um, I had a friend that actually reached out to me after listening to it. And she's like, wait a minute, that it's not the last drink that got you drunk. I'm like, no, it's the sip. It's the sip of alcohol that gets you drunk. And, and I get where she was coming from because for so long I was like, it's, I don't get drunk from the first sip. Mm-hmm. I get drunk. I could. I can. I could drink like forty-seven drinks and be totally psyched. I might be falling down, but I was um, good. At least I thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I never thought. I never got that. I never really got what that meant to be like my first drunk. My first drink gets me drunk. But the reality is, is that it's. What happens once you have the sip is the phenomenon of craving. Is that what you wanted to talk about? Because I feel like I'm already, I'm already, as always. You're off to the races, so just go. I'll, I'll chime in when I'm ready. Are you not ready yet? Mm -hmm. Go ahead and talk about your phenomenon of craving. So my phenomenon of craving is like they talk about that. And there's this book. If you decide to get sober using the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, there's this thing and it's called the phenomenon of craving. And it's in step one and it discusses, uh, 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 I mean, it goes in much great detail. And, but I talked about it last week. And I'm going to talk about it again this week. It's that making sure that the heart meets the head, the heart meets the head, right? So the heart meets the head and feeling in, so the phenomenon of craving, and they talked about it in the very beginning. And I'd be like, the phenomenon of craving, what are they talking about? I don't understand this. This is like Arabic to me. I have no idea what they mean. And, um, the reality was, was that 
the phenomenon of craving for me was that walking in the bar, and I talked about this last week, walking in the bar and saying I'm having dirty, one dirty martini. And the mm. problem was is that I got the sip and then my head was off. Like I had to have more, 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 more. And it was like, and, and the same friend said to me, it was like, there's a little voice in your head that's saying, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And um, it was, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so hard because you can't do anything about it. It's like all your will, all you want to do is stop. And you're like, I just only had one. And why can't I, why am I keeping going? And it's that total, that's the disease that keeping going, that inability to stop once it starts, that inability to stay abstinent. That's the really first thing, first step. I'm going on and on. I'd love for you to chime in. <clears throat> okay. Well, I appreciate all you had to say about the phenomenon of craving. I think we talked about it a little bit last week and uh, <clears throat> you know, that's a, it's a medical fact. It's in the doctor's opinion. Um, and uh, it discussed it fully. All, all we need to understand is, you know, all you need is a match to lit, light the fuse, right? And the thing's going to explode. And uh, so that's the way it is when somebody is uh, an, an addict and they're in whatever their drug of choice is, whether it's uh, alcohol or cookies or whatever, once they get started, um, they're not going to stop until, until things blow up. It's just the way it goes. Um, and I really kind of wanted to talk about... Um, you know, that's that first step that you mentioned was uh, admitted we're powerless over alcohol and our lives have become unmanageable and talk about a little bit about unmanageability and what I, I wanted to put in the context of, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the one um, similarity between any 12-step program you'd ever want to get involved in, no matter what it is, is called ego deflation. And you might say to yourself, well, I have a drinking problem. And you want to talk about ego deflation? Like, what's that all about? Why do you want to do that? Like, what's the point of that? Um, and it makes sense. If you can just quit, then quit. Quit, and it's not a problem for you. That's great. Um, but the 12-step programs are all about ego deflation. And, uh, you know, the reason why seems to be is that if the addict is <clears throat> left to his own devices, which he thinks he is, and, and you know, uh, we're in the sad circumstances of knowing somebody, at least Elizabeth really knew somebody who uh, uh, passed away uh, a day or two ago, um, you know, as a direct result of their addiction. And, uh, you know, it's that ego that tells the, the addict, it's okay, you can handle it. You can handle it this time, or you can do this by yourself someplace where there's nobody around and you won't hurt anybody and on and on and on. And, uh, and that's why the, the ego deflation is so important. Um, and in my opinion, the first real step, okay, admitting you're powerless over anything, that's hard. That's the first chink in the armor of ego deflation, right? And then, at least for me anyway, and then saying, and uh, admitting that my life is unmanageable, um, that was a tough pill for me to swallow. Um, I did not want to say that uh, my life was unmanageable. I didn't understand like what they were talking about and my ego was so great that, uh, you know, it makes total sense. Um, I felt like any problem I ever got myself into, I got myself out of it and, uh, and it was totally manageable. And I just, you know, I was in complete denial, um, about the, uh, you know, the actual, uh, direction that my life was going in. 
and uh, and how bad it was. And that unmanageability has manifested itself in so many different ways. I mean, the the, the simplest way that it does it is, uh, you know, that feeling that probably a lot of you can relate to of waking up um, in the morning and saying, you know, how did I do this again? How did this happen again? Um, it's not going to happen again. I won't let it happen again. Um, and then it just happens again. That's that's a, a part of unmanageability that's really hard to deal with, um, and especially because it just attacks your uh, it, it it attacks your esteem so much. You're not doing anything estimable uh, when you promise yourself you'll do one thing and you find yourself doing another thing uh, that you really didn't want to do. It's a terrible spiral to be in. So I wanted to talk about unmanageability a little bit and uh, and sort of move on from there. So what's your take on it? It's unmanageability, unmanageability. So people are gonna be like, what's unmanageability? So here we go. I'm gonna do a little Webster de definition of unmanageability. Cause I always think it's kind of fun to start with an, uh, um, uh, uh, a definition. So unmanageability, not manageable, difficult or impossible to control or manage, unmanageable hair and almost unmanageable amount of dan data. The prisoner became unmanageable. You know, I think this disease, and as JF just mentioned, um, a woman I knew not well, and I'm, and the reason I'm going, going to go into this story is because I do think it's pertinent because it's always pertinent um, to realize that um, the disease of alcoholism, the result of it's either these are your options: you get sober, or you get sober and you do this, you do a program and you figure it out, and you get a relationship with this, a, a new spiritual relationship with whatever you call your higher power something spiritual has to happen you can be atheist and have a spiritual awakening just but to have something that i want to say is important unmanageability is when we're out there and i got nothing i got nothing i'm trying to control everything myself i got it all and i remember that feeling of unmanageability and trying to be a juggler i'm not a juggler I don't know if anybody didn't know that, but I don't juggle. I don't juggle. <laughs> I don't work at the, I, I don't work at um, the circus. I don't even do it for fun on site, but I tried to juggle everything. I juggled, uh, I had three small little kids. My husband was drinking um, chaos everywhere, unmanageability. And I'm trying to, if I, if I stop up this hole, maybe this one will be okay too. And I got this, so I got two arms out to here and then I got a foot up and then I got a foot up and I got another foot up. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, and I can't do it and I can't do it. And I'm spinning out of control, spinning, spinning, spinning. And um, I remember when I went to my first meeting and I went to that place and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm admitting I'm an alcoholic because alcohol was just a symptom, right? So it was my unmanageability was prior to the drinking part. The unmanageability was inside of myself. It's that voice that keeps going and keeps going and keeps playing tapes and it's, you can't manage it. Like you can't manage the voice. It's, it doesn't matter what, whatever the voice is saying, whatever the voice is doing, all you want to do is quiet it. All you want to do is quiet the voice. All you want to do is just breathe and you just want to stay alive, right? That's all you want to do. Mm -hmm. And um, when you mix alcohol with the isms that we have as alcoholics, it just becomes a shit show. And I'm just going to say that because there's no other way to call it. So the shit show becomes this thing that's just, becomes out of control because you're going to alcohol all the time because it's your perfect medicine. It's free. You can, it's not free, but you can get it anywhere. And, um, it works. It works. It quiets the squirrels in your head, as we like to say sometimes. And, um, it quiets the unmanageability. It 
that judgment that you have inside yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I can't handle all these things. It's too much. It's too much. My life is too much. I'm a loser. I'm horrible. I'm this. Get me another drink. Get me a drink. And you get one drink and the phenomenon of craving goes and you're off to the races. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. <laughs> so the unmanageability happens and I'm going to go back to the person that passed away. Um, her name was Amy and um, Amy had four children and Amy, I did not know well. I, in fact, I, she probably didn't even know my name. Um, I would see her. Um, I met her at an institution years ago when I went and spoke with a friend. We went to a, brought a meeting to this institution and she was there and she's very sad. And she came out and went to further institutions. She's been to prison and um, she just couldn't get it, right? She just couldn't get sober. And she passed away two days ago. And, you know, um, it was actually probably yesterday because it was two o'clock in the morning. And I think that um, this disease is so cunning, baffling, powerful. Now this person, you would have looked at her and she had everything, right? Her husband was successful. She had certain kids, like on the outside, it all looked perfect. But it was the inside job. It's that inside unmanageability. And that's why it's like so important to get step one, I think. Mm -hmm. To get that sense of like, mm -hmm. okay, I def because I remember coming in and going, I definitely got this. I have this, like, I am powerless over alcohol. Like I have one, I have 47, I don't remember anything. I'm I I could do I was powerless over alcohol. That was my first thing. When people would say, Well, you're power, you're not powerless over if you work out or not, you're not powerless over this, you're not powerless over, but you're not. But I want to take this. The alcohol is the first thing. If it's the drug, if you do something besides alcohol and it's weed, because I, I know weed's addictive. You, people say it isn't, but I, I believe it is. And pills and um, obviously heroin, cigarettes, whatever. Um, it's addictive. You start it and you're off to the races. You're off to the races. You're off to the races. And it's the first one. It's the first one that gets you there, right? It's the first one. It's not the 47th one. Yeah, it's the first one. Absolutely. So how do you do that? First one, admit you're powerless. I'm powerless. Today I'm powerless. Oh my gosh. I don't like that feeling of powerless. Because I don't think we're told as children, like, you're powerless. We're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, I don't know. This is what I want to be, I think. And then you get these high expectations. They don't happen. And then forget it. I'm off. Give me another drink. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really, it's, Jeff said, ego deflating. You're going to be ego deflating. And um, there's another acronym for ego, which I love, which is easing God out. So um, ego deflation is admitting that you want help. I think that is one of the biggest, most hardest things to do is to reach out for help. I think to pick up the phone and say, you know what, I need help is really, I think that could be, like if you're if you do that from the get go, if you do that, you get you get into the habit of going. You know what? I need to talk to somebody. I need help. And I'm not saying you pay somebody to talk to. I think you find a sponsor, someone that you can relate to, that will listen to you, that won't judge you. If you find someone, and it might not be a sponsor, it might be a friend at church. I don't know who, whatever it is, which whatever way, twelve step program or whatever you decide to do to get sober. Um, I think reaching out for help and saying, I need a like, I need a sounding board. I need someone to go through this journey with is really important, really important. I think it takes you out of yourself and, um, it's humbling. 
It's ego sure deflating. It it's totally ego deflating to pick up the phone and call someone and go, okay, this is what's going on. And I have people that do that and that call me all the time. And it is the most, oh, I just love it. They're like, they save my life every day. They save my life, the people mm -hmm. that reach out to me because it gets me on me. And when I reach out to my people and say, I need help, it is so, um, oh my gosh, it's just, it's just, no, you just know you're not alone. And it gives you the, I don't know, it, I feel, you know, they said, they say, at least I think somewhere in society, it says that when you reach out for help, it's like a sign of weakness. And I don't know where that ever came from. What do you I'm not think sure. it is? I don't know if it really says that in society. I think it might just be us. You just think it's alcoholics that think that it's. Yeah, I think it might just be us because I think it's okay to ask for help. And I, I like a lot of what you had to say. And, um, you know, when I was, when I was thinking about how unmanageability manifests manifested itself in my life and and still does from time to time is that um you know to me the real unmanageability was that um you know ultimately all i wanted was to be happy you know that's all i wanted to be was as as you describe it in in our our literature happy joyous and free <clears throat> that's all i wanted to be was was happy and i think that's what everybody wants to be is happy and, uh, but it's the unmanageability was, it just seemed like no matter what I did or how I tried, not only could I not get there, but as time went on, the people around me were also becoming more and more and more unhappy. Um, and, uh, and, and that is, is to me is real unmanageability when you just can't get to a happy spot in your life. And, and, uh, you know, so the only, uh, the only answer I had for that was, <clears throat> you know, to pick up the first drink. And, uh, you know, then I, I went from unhappy to happy because of that. It was just induced, but of course it never lasted long. And, uh, you know, so really when you talked about, um, you know, asking for help, what is, uh, you know, when I think about that, it's like, what am I, what, when I'm asking for help, what am I, what's my problem? Well, it doesn't really, doesn't matter what my, what I think the problem is. Cause the problem is always the same thing is that I'm just, something's going on and I'm unhappy about it. You know, I can't get happy about it, um, and I need help. I need somebody else to, uh, you know, to steer me to uh, get me on the right path to to get to where I want to be, which is just happy. You know, it's it's so basic and so simple. Um, and uh, you know, we need other people. It just seems like we need other people. To, I, I need to be open to uh, to thinking that maybe somebody else has a better answer than I do on how to get to where I want to get to, which is just the happiness. See, and I don't know if, I, I, and I don't want to, I'm not poo-pooing him, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm maybe disagreeing a tad bit in that the happiness I think comes from, from peace of mind. I think happiness comes from the fact that I, I'm, I'm not a firefighter today. I'm not, and I'm literally meaning a firefighter in my life. I'm mm -hmm. not a juggler today. I can get a peace and serenity. I can have that feeling like everything's going to be okay which I don't know is the same thing as happiness. I think it's pretty much the same because I'm but trying I to relate it to is, it. But I don't think it is the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think peace and serene, I think you can be serene and not happy. I think you can be serene and feel like I'm serene. I, but does that mean happy? I'm, a, I'm content. I think contentedness. Because I think that happiness is sometimes, like I think in fact today, I'd rather be content than even happy. Like I'm, that from the, the serenity and the peace and the, the being content then flows peace like I like myself and then that again 
then blossoms into something larger. But then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, but I have to put, take myself out of the equation. I have to like kind of, and I don't want to say take myself in literal means, but I like, for me, I'm really a firm believer in having a relationship with the higher power. That is like, and having a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. I think it is very important. And when I realized for a long, for the first time, you know, I was raised as you all know, and I've talked about this many times that I was raised Catholic and my dad's Jewish. So I have always had some foundation of, of religion. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I came into the rooms and people talked about spirituality and spirituality for me is knowing like everything's going to be okay. Like I, in my soul, I believe that God has a plan. Absolutely. In my soul. In my soul, I didn't, I don't, I, I don't know if I, I believed it as much when I first came into the program, but the longer I stayed sober, the more that relationship has like, it's like air I needed every day. Mm -hmm. Like prior to doing our podcast, we always, I always say a prayer and every morning I always say, God, please speak through me and show me what you want me to see and let me be your person walking on the planet. Am I perfect at it? For sure not. Um, I am fallible on many levels. Um, but when I turn it over and I realize what my, where my spirituality is today and your spirituality might be the sun rising and you watch the sun, I have a dear, dear, dear friend who says the sunrise is her spirit, like knowing that today's going to be okay. Cause she can rely on that every single solitary day, the sun will rise. It's either in splendor or behind a mass of clouds, but it will rise. She has no stake in talk, but today that gives her the ability to say, all right, God's in control. That's like, the baby step of number step number one mm -hmm. baby step is going i'm powerless i'm powerless i'm powerless my life has become unmanageable it doesn't really go farther than that it's like that's it mm -hmm. if you can do that you've done step one absolutely if you realize you don't you're like my life is unmanageable i've been spinning out of control i need help i'm powerless will you help me has my life been powerless? Has the fact that every time I pick up a drink, I get drunk. And maybe that's not true that every time you pick up a drink, you get drunk. But let's just say this, every time you get into, if you've gotten into trouble, every time you've gotten into trouble, alcohol has been involved. Yes, that's a great litmus test. Right. Mm -hmm. If every time you get in trouble, alcohol is involved, it's just maybe you're not an alcoholic. I don't know. I think there's a test you can take. Sure there is. <laughs> my son even talked about it last night. Um, if there's a sign that you may have a problem with alcohol. And I can tell you this, if you can get to that place where you can humbly say to yourself, okay, I'm powerless over it. I, I relate to that. I relate to the unmanageability. I relate to that feeling of like, all I'm doing is spinning, spinning, spinning. It's called spinning. Like exactly. My oldest likes to say, that. he's like, mom, do you see people? They just spin. And it's true. They just spin around in circles and they make stuff up and all the rest of it. And it's just like getting calm, realizing, am I powerless? Is my life unmanageable. What does that feel like mm -hmm. to be the juggler? I think we probably all know that how that feels. It's just an awful feeling. It's an trying awful to control feeling. everything and everyone. Oh, it's just, oh God. And, uh, you know, trying to get to the outcome that we want to get to, which, which kind of takes us to, you know, like, like you said that it, it, in the way the steps go. So I do those, I make those first two admissions and then, uh, I'm, you know, I'm right on to, uh, you know, moving forward and trying to find a power greater than myself. We're not there yet. <laughs> That's the answer. That's the answer. But mm -hmm. it's it's next week, exactly. which is step two. Um, so if you've gotten this far and you're listening and you've been sweet enough to follow us, mm -hmm. um, 
That's huge. If you realize you're powerless, be psyched for yourself because that's a huge, huge, huge step and that your life has become manageable. You're like, that's a huge step to take. So if you've gotten there or if you have questions about it and you feel like you've gotten there, you can always reach out to me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at B-U-S-Y, livingsober.com. And um, realize that um, if you get to the, like if you firmly feel like you're there on step one, it's the best, you know, I think that's the best jumping off point. Well, it's the most awesome, you know. If you get there, like get there. And it's going to take a little time because I want you to sit with it. It's got to like, for me, it takes me a couple days to digest things, as you know. Mm -hmm. I, I don't digest things right away. I, I hear them and I try not to react anymore because it takes me a, long, a little while to process. So I, I have to have it sit with me. I have to process it. I have to mull it over. I have to think about it. I have to think about it. Sometimes I write about it. So if you're out there and you're thinking about this, you're like, is this me? Is it not? Think about it. Like, let it soak in. Does this make sense? Mm -hmm. And if you ever reach out to me, I promise you I will write you right back. I always do. And um, I'm no longer on Facebook, by the way. Um, I just want to throw that caveat out there. I'm, I, I've gotten off Facebook altogether. I do use Instagram just to let people know what's going on. I'm on YouTube, Twitter, and you always can go to busylivingsober.com. I'm just not doing the Facebook thing. Enough Facebook to me. I'm just done with Facebook. Gotcha. I, I would love to get off all social media, but I think I need it. In fact, people have told me that they love having me out there. So I'll keep doing that, but I'm not going to do the Facebook. That's when I'm taking out of, out of play. It's out of play. And um, I just want everybody to know, for one, we love you. I mean, I don't even know you, but I love you. And I'm just, uh, I just think that um, it, this is all about f falling in love with yourself and taking the time to realize if you don't have a great relationship with alcohol, drugs, marijuana, pills, whatever it is, like just take a deep breath. We, we always say also go speak to a professional. We are not, we are not doctors. We are not therapists. We are not psychiatrists. We are none of those. No. Um, we're just two sober bozos on the bus. <laughs> and, um, but we don't want to say, if you have a problem, please reach out to one of your professionals also. Okay. Did I miss anything? I think that's it. Is that the it? Time went so fast today. It did. It went fast because we're that's talking good. about fun things. It's yep. easy. I love talking about steps because it's mm -hmm. just awesome. So um, right, we're yeah. gonna say sayonara from our hotel room. Woo! And um, we want you to know that if you're out there and you're battling addiction, you are not alone. We are here. We are here. I'm here. No matter what, you can always reach me at busy b i z z y at busylivingsober.com. That is my email address, or go to busylivingsober.com. That's very easy, and it has you can reach out to me from there. And um, until next time, keep getting busy. Love ya. Keep getting busy living sober. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Take care. <laughs>